One one thing that honestly really surprised me that I find mm -hmm. way more often than I thought I would. Um, every time I do a document, anything, doesn't matter what it is, mm -hmm. I go through and do a pass where I do nothing except look at the end of each paragraph and make sure that there's punctuation. Oh, okay. because more far more often than I ever would have thought somebody's just mm -hmm. you're just going at the pair and you hit the enter button and you just forget that there should be a period there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hey, readers and writers. With me today is Samantha Chapman. Samantha is an editor of fiction and nonfiction. Welcome to Read and Write. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Deb. How are you doing? Pretty good. How's your day been? It's been all right. It's been a little busy, a lot of running around, but home now, so that's the important part. Mmm, I hear you. I, I feel like since school has started for my kids that I just, I do so much out, out of the house stuff that I never used to do. Like we were hermits during the pandemic. Like <laughs> we didn't do anything. Yep. We were like elitists and got like people shopped for us and everything was delivered from Amazon. And now like I'm back out in the world. I'm just like, I don't know what to do with myself. Oh, it's weird. I feel, I feel like, <laughs> I know. And it got me so like, I'm just, I want to be so much more hermity. Like I want to like sit on the couch under a blanket, especially now that it's cold out. Yeah, and just be like, leave me alone. I want to read my book. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much how I am 24 hours a day. I understand that. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? All right, uh, my name's Samantha Chapman. I am a freelance editor and proofreader, which means that I go around to individual authors or companies or any, what I've told people is anything that has words, hire me and I will make sure they're the right words. <laughs> that's, that's my pitch. That's my really easy pitch. <laughs> um, so have you always been a freelance editor or have you worked in publishing houses or? So I actually, before I went freelance, I was working at a very niche little company that did so I was editing. I was also administrative mm -hmm. assistant. Um, okay. But there was actually a lot of editing in the job. They did technical reports for water treatment consulting. And it's that does one sound of the most very niche. boring things. <laughs> I learned so much about water <laughs> and mm -hmm. chemical treatment uh, that I've completely forgotten because it's not relevant <laughs> to everyday life. <laughs> um, but I was working there for a while and the job just... It was just one of those jobs where it worked out for the most part for a while, and then it just didn't really work out anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so at the time, I had started kind of toying with freelance. I had done one or two very small jobs. Um, mm -hmm. So when I left that job, I was, honestly, I was getting unemployment, um, and they accept freelancing as a, a form of looking for jobs. So as I'm pitching myself as a freelancer, that counted toward, you know, you have to look for so many jobs per week mm -hmm. and, and do right. this and that. Um, so I was really able to use that. I was very lucky, honestly, to have left that mm -hmm. job uh, because it gave me that small safety net to to launch off of because I, I was able to get into this while I had a little bit of, of extra cushion and I didn't need to immediately find right. everything at the same time. That That's always helpful. It, it relieves the stress a little bit. Yeah. So I, I consider myself really lucky that that job didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But it also, uh, I guess it paid the bills and you did a little bit of editing, I guess. During yeah. It. No, there, it was actually primarily editing with secondary okay. admin stuff. But, you know, it's always okay. the administrative stuff that gets boring. And then mm-hmm. there's politics and then there's changes. And... Yeah, I remember those <laughs> days. I'm, I'm glad I don't work in an office anymore yeah, myself. I'm, I'm very, very much happier as a freelancer. Um, and it's funny because I didn't I didn't ever think I would. Um, mm-hmm. several years ago, some of my friends brought up the idea and, you know, you, this is something you could do. You could freelance, you could work for yourself. And I was mm-hmm. terrified. Um, yeah. Cause freelance is scary. It like, is. You it don't really have is. a dedicated income. You have to work at it. Yeah. You don't have the security. You don't have the same paycheck every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have found for my personal temperament, uh, I have certain just things about my life that make it a lot mm-hmm. easier for me. When I have my own space and I'm mm-hmm. by myself in a room and, you know, mm-hmm. if I have to freak out for five minutes, nobody has to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's one of those things. I I feel like a lot of us, you know, a lot of introverts, a lot of writers, there are a lot of overlaps. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just, you know, sometimes things just build up and you have to let them out and you can't in an office mm-hmm. environment. <laughs> so. You could in an office environment, just everybody <laughs> would look at you weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've also found that I can sleep, which is amazing. It, it's really Wait. funny to me how how much of a difference it's made to be able to wake up at 10 every morning. Wow, that does sound nice. I'm <laughs> extremely envious of you. Like, I can't sleep till 10, even if I wanted to anymore. I've just been getting up so often at an early <laughs> hour that... On the weekends, like, it's funny, like, I'll tell my husband the night before, I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. It's your job to get breakfast for the kids and everything. I'm going to sleep in. And then it's 7 a.m. and I'm wide awake. (laughs) I just can't help it anymore. It just happens. The problem for me is just I've just always been wired so that I don't fall asleep until after midnight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when I had to wake up at 645, it was not a good time. So I understand. I I married one of those people. Yeah. Being able to set my schedule, being able mm-hmm. to prioritize things that that I really needed to and was never really had the chance to before. Um, mm-hmm. I really I really don't ever want to go back. I love freelancing. That's great. Yeah, I think that whole like kind of it's a classic like being your own boss has its own unique stressors, but also it gives you that um, that wellness that you can do things like set your own schedule yeah. and say. I, I don't feel like I can work today, so I'm not going to, um, yeah. that kind of stuff. Or I can work in an hour after I, you know, get this thing done. Or I can right. work for 10 minutes and at least something mm-hmm. will get done. But I didn't have to get up and get dressed and go to an office just right. to get that work done. You can um, take a break and do the dishes and then yes. come back and finish working. Yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of getting that experience because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and i think it's really wonderful that people are talking about it and figuring out what actually works for them Mm -hmm. yeah i know my husband is in a similar boat um during the pandemic his office like a lot of them he worked in an office and a lot of them they went to the stay-at-home model and it was eye-opening for a lot of people in the company because they're like we get so much more work done (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people find that yeah, it's like you're not talking to people in the hallways, getting stuck on your way to the bathroom or getting your lunch or something. And then an hour is suddenly disappeared. Yeah. And like you just you just get a lot more work done. <laughs> also, I th- personally, I think it's because people secretly don't like talking on like Zoom in the phones. So they just 
they email you quickly instead and doesn't turn into an hour and a half conversation. <laughs> it's just like two sentences in an email. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. No, I think that's the, <laughs> that's something a lot of people are finding. <laughs> what, what's interesting for me too, and I was finding this before the pandemic, of course, um, I think there's a lot of like knowledge work and mental work that people do these mm -hmm. days. And you just can't do that for eight hours a day consistently. Mm -hmm. um, I generally find that after about two or three hours, I need a break because I'm just not working uh -huh. well. And yep. it was difficult at first because I wanted to be working and I wanted to get the things done and, and be diligent. Um, mm -hmm. But one thing I've tried to tell myself is that I owe my clients good work. And if mm -hmm. that means I need to take a couple hours and work out and take a shower and get the blood mm -hmm. flowing and get my brain back before I start working right. again, that's what I need to do because that's how I'm doing good work, not mm -hmm. just work. Right. I 100% agree. Like, um, like, for example, using my writing, for example, I can't work longer than, I don't know, let's say an hour before the brain starts to get fuzzy and I just literally need to stand up go do something else mm -hmm. for 15, 20 minutes, come back, bam, everything's fine again. But you just, you need that break up of mental activity. Yeah, definitely. In order to do good mental activity. There's times like when you push through it and you just at the end of the day, you're like, this is crap. Now I have to delete yeah, 1400 yeah. words. <laughs> I hear that a lot uh, from programmers where they're writing yeah. code. And if it's, if it's a bad day, they're just writing code and code and code and code. And mm -hmm. they'll come back the next morning and delete like half of it and redo it. And <laughs> I can totally <laughs> much, see much that shorter. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I can. I could totally see that happening. Happening. Um, <laughs> in my previous life, I did do a little tiny bit of coding. I, I used to work in a, a web design firm. So, yes, I can. I can. Yes, I 100% <laughs> agree with that statement. That that is one of those jobs that you need mental breaks, or else, it's like uh, your brain is constantly in a chess match. And it's just working overdrive in, the, in those kind of professions yeah. where you just, it's, it's working on this mental thing and it uses a lot of, I, I, I want to say calories, but that's not quite right. It just uses a lot of your energy yeah. and you need to refuel. And that means standing up and doing something different. Mm -hmm. Just getting that break. It's so important. So having that mm -hmm. flexibility throughout the day to just do whatever it is I need in the moment is super valuable to me. <laughs> I yes, that that sounds very nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I still so, have to deal with finding all of my own work and not having the consistency. But it's true. Yeah, that is that <laughs> is the downside. Downsides. That's that that's the hard part. You have to I don't know. I'm assuming do a lot of marketing on your own to get your word out, mm -hmm. your word, sure get your name out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you have like random business cards hidden in your wallet that you can hand? Oh, yeah, your absolutely. <laughs> I have some in my wallet. I have some in my phone case and I have some in my purse just in case somehow I'm out with my purse mm -hmm. without the others. <laughs> I, I've, I've totally relied on that, too. Like I have like a secret stash in like all my versions of my wallets and in my keys and stuff. <laughs> so like if I run into somebody, and they're like, what do you do? And I'm like explaining like, oh, well, I know the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, here, here's a business card. Yeah. Just, just yep. take it contact me and this is great <laughs> well i ran into someone i went to an art like little farmers market art crafty show mm -hmm. thing and somebody was there with their with their books with their self-published books so hey i nice. didn't expect this but here's my car right hey if you ever need another editor here i am <laughs> and actually she contacted me so there was something we might do awesome next year. <laughs> there you go it turned into a i want to say sale but it's not quite the right word but it, it turned into a client it's a contact at least yeah so speaking of which, what kind of editor are you? 
Um, so I kind of do, I feel like, I, so I've only been freelancing for about, wow, three years, two and a half years, three years. <laughs> You're about to say, I only freelance for like two months so far, and then you realize it's been years. <laughs> but it's still, it still feels very new. Um, so mm-hmm. I still feel like I, I haven't really had the experience to specialize. Mm-hmm. Um, so the auditing that I offer, I, I divided into three different groups. So the okay. first group is proofreading. And that mm-hmm. means I'm looking for mistakes and typos and things that are actually wrong. Okay. Um, the next level up is line editing. And that mm-hmm. means I do the proofreading, but I also will do some light rewriting. I might look for style issues. I might mm-hmm. tweak things so that they sound a little bit better, even if they're okay. not technically wrong. Are you? Do you consider line editing and copy editing the same thing, or yes. are they different levels to you? Yeah, okay. what I what I have seen is that they're they're pretty interchangeable. Mm-hmm. That's um, my just, that's my understanding as well. I just wanted to ask. Yeah, no, I don't remember why I chose line instead of copy. I just <laughs> okay. I had to pick a word, <laughs> but right. I, I understand they're pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. Who knows? Everybody also kind of defines it for themselves, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last type of editing I'll do is a developmental edit. Um, okay, which is. I include the proofreading and the line editing. Some people don't. Um, okay. And then the developmental part is notes on plot and character and structure mm-hmm. and literally anything where I have a thought and I say, oh, this could make this better. Do this and mm-hmm. do this way instead. Um, I just like to do the line editing and the proofreading because I think it helps me focus on the book a little bit better. Okay. Um, but I completely understand when people don't do that work along with because a lot of time your author was going to do another draft mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll keep stuff. And and I do find I've occasionally gotten to see the second draft after I do a developmental edit. And usually okay. there are significant pieces that are left from the first draft. So it was still worth doing that mm-hmm. cleanup because now that's stuff that they don't have to do again and I don't have to right. do again. <laughs> but it definitely makes sense to kind of wait for that final polish until you're at a final draft to do the whole proofreading copy editing yeah yeah but I think for me honestly it's it's just kind of hard sometimes to read something and think oh I should do this instead and then not type it okay I could see that (laughs) sometimes I honestly find that kind of distracting so if I just do the line edit while I'm there (laughs) that's just the the way your brain works exactly um and I I find I always read everything at least three times um, mm-hmm. because I will always find mistakes still in that. Third yeah, uh-huh. pass. I and, can read things six times and still find more yeah. mistakes. <laughs> and I had to stop somewhere or I mm-hmm. would just never right, turn yeah. anything in. <laughs> um, but I, I find that that first pass I'm usually reading for meaning. Um, and okay. that's the part where your br- the human brain is really good at, at fixing things for our perception. Mm-hmm. So if you see, like, if you have a transposed word, um, uh-huh. like two words that are in the wrong order, your brain that's fixes exactly, it. Yeah, your brain fixes it, and you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I come, back I do the that second a lot time, with like prepositions or small words. Like yep. I miss them entirely somehow, and then mm-hmm. I just don't catch it. Yeah, exactly. Because like my brain just fills in that blank. Exactly, and you know what you meant to say, which makes mm-hmm. it almost impossible for you. <laughs> so to see much the harder. <laughs> So the second time when I go through and I know what the meaning is, it's a lot easier to see those things that I was glossing over before. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really different every time, every time I go through. <laughs> Fascinating, it really is. I can I can understand that. Like I appreciate that's the way your brain works, but I feel like my brain might work in an opposite direction. Like I think 
I don't think I could do those at the same time because I would end up cal concentrating on one versus the other. Like I would stop looking at content and I would just be looking at all the commas and making <laughs> sure all the all the ands and the periods and everything are there. Yeah. Well, I definitely. And then, I definitely. Yeah, I, I, I would need to compartmentalize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely make more notes uh, on the second and third reads. Um, mm -hmm. But and for obvious reasons, the first time I don't know where the story's going. Right. So when I go back the second time and I can read the beginning, knowing how it ends, that's when I'm mm -hmm. going to start to see stuff. But a lot of the time, the third round will be something like, wait, two chapters ago, you said it was the middle of the night and now it's suddenly noon uh, and I don't think enough time has passed. Uh huh. And those are the kinds of things that you just might not notice until you've thought about it for a while. Right. <laughs> I can see that. And, and the author isn't going to notice that so much because it's all in their head. They know mm -hmm. when the time's changing. Maybe just, I don't know, like, in, like I, I could totally use myself as an example that just you haven't realized that you haven't made it clear enough. Yes. That something like they went to sleep and then they woke up. You know, you just, you just kind of, the, as the author, you're like, you're not concentrating on that part of the yep. story because yeah, it exactly. already happened in your head. <laughs> yep. Ex yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see I see that a lot actually with time of day. It's, it's always a little bit funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, wait, why is the sun rising? I thought it was three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so how did you start editing? Like, is that something you went to school for or is it something you happened upon? So it's something I started honestly as a hobby. Um, I think like mm -hmm. many millennials, I began my writing career with fan fiction. Uh, and it's, you know, it's something that I have very fond memories of, yep. of just writing for the sake of writing. I got my start I in fan fiction. I wanted to tell, and I didn't care that it was stupid. <laughs> it mm -hmm. was very terrible looking back. Uh, but that didn't matter. It doesn't matter now. Um, but I had a group of people. They were doing a comic book okay. uh, fan fiction group. So the idea was that we would play around as if we were a publishing company. So we would, like, share characters. Uh -huh. And we would have, like you know, company-wide events uh, and coordinate. So in the process, we would pass around kind of round robin and edit each other's work. So that's how I, that's the first stuff that I did um, was just proofreading for other people <laughs> nice. in exchange for having them proofread for me. And that's where I met, um, I met what actually one of my best friends who I'm still, still best friends with to this day. Um, and he went beyond. Oh. And he started actually critiquing me. <laughs> no, that, that not can the be most really hard first. sometimes if it's your first time happening. It really can. It is. Uh, but it's so valuable. Um, mm -hmm. and so from there, I started to actually get a little bit better. Um, and I don't have much time and energy mm -hmm. to actually write my own work anymore. Um, you know, I still have those few projects right. that are in the wings that I, I would like to do. But um, but all of the practice writing definitely makes it mm -hmm. right easier to see things that mm -hmm. oh as a you know, right. I can understand as it's a the writer same why concept you as like uh, you should write in the genre that you read because you're familiar with the style and how that yes. that story should be laid out exactly mm -hmm. and that's probably the genre that you enjoy. And if you're not enjoying no, yourself when you're writing, it's not going to be fun can, to read. I can attest to that. I always know that the chapter, the chapters I need to cut are the ones that are slow and that I hate writing. It's like, okay, let's just, I need to delete this clearly and start it from yep. a different angle. <laughs> right. This is just making me this upset. This isn't advancing anything. 
not entertaining. So did you go to end up going to school for it? Or did you, I, I, don't, I don't, what kind of education do you need to be an editor? I have no idea. No. Um... <laughs> mm -hmm. So I have a minor in English literature. Um, mostly because I was already taking mm -hmm, enough classes right. that I just needed like two more and I got the minor. <laughs> so I just threw them on. Uh, I, I've never actually done anything with this degree. I, I went to college at a time when the prevailing wisdom was go to college. Nobody's going to care what for. Okay. <laughs> Which is I, not I think I also sort of fall true. into that category. Like, go to college because it's expected of you to do this. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I majored in medieval and renaissance studies with a literature focus. Nice. I'm an art history major, so that's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So I read I act, I read a lot, and I, I really enjoyed it. I did. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's it was, nev it was never something that I thought I was going to make mm -hmm. a career on. Um, so I read a lot of Shakespeare, and I read some epic poetry, mm -hmm. and... Somehow I never read Chaucer. I don't know how I got through a medieval degree <laughs> I, without I have, that. I, that. I don't understand how you got through that either without reading I, any Chaucer. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I remember one class they made us read Chaucer in the original. Like, oh, and we had to translate it for ourselves. Like, that's, that was part of the class assignments. Oh, no. Was read at least <laughs> this part of this story and then tell me what you think it means. Like, <laughs> that, that was oh, part of the assignment. It was hell. And I don't know that that starts me on a whole other diatribe about college. I don't, I don't, I don't, I doubt I'm the only one that feels like this, but I don't think high school kids should go to college right away. No, I, I actually wanted to take a gap year and figure mm -hmm. out what I wanted to do. Um, but it, it just wasn't on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, my parents were paying and they wouldn't, right. <laughs> yep. They didn't want to, they didn't want me to take a gap mm -hmm. year. So. I remember feeling kind of in that similar thing, but I don't feel like kids that age, most of them at least, I don't think they know who they are yet or what they like. So it's yeah. my opinion there, that there they are... shouldn't immediately go to college unless they're very like, I'm going to be a doctor. And that's exactly when I, I know what I want to be, you know? And I think there are different philosophies on what college is for. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's, that's one of the things that I think has changed since I was in college mm -hmm. and I, I graduated in 2011. So like not even, it's very recent mm -hmm. um, because there's an argument to be made that college is for exposing yourself to different ideas and different disciplines. Mm -hmm. And you may have found something as a career that you never would have thought of and you never would have been exposed to otherwise. Mm -hmm. This is true. And that can be I can understand that. But college has just become too expensive to do that, yeah. for that value. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was different to get a liberal arts education when you could work over the summer and pay for mm -hmm. it. <laughs> I think that's that's really the difference. Yeah, it, basically it so feels I, like I, you come away yeah. with this, well, it's not kind of small, like in our cases, like this, this degree that you're never gonna do anything with and just have mounds of student debt for just exploring mm -hmm. yourself, like just figuring out what you like and who you are. Yeah, exactly. And but and then part of the problem was that having a degree, any degree, was what let me get the call center job that I had before I even had the editing job mm -hmm. at, the, at the water treatment facility. Yeah, that that's the downside to it that you you you're more likely to get a job if you have the degree on at least on your mm -hmm. resume. So it's I don't know it's a double edged so sword. It's, it's really tough. It's a tough situation mm -hmm. for people. I don't envy kids going to college these days. Yeah, I can only imagine what's going to be like in 10 years. I did enjoy myself. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, college was fun. 
I don't know <laughs> if it was that expensive fun, but yes, it was fun. So, um, but I, I did get to read a lot that I wouldn't otherwise have read. And the, the English degree, mm-hmm. I think, is, is helpful. Although, because my focus was literature, it's both helpful and unhelpful at the same time. In what way? Um, because the most, I think the most important thing for editing is reading. Because mm-hmm. you have to know how things sound when they're good. Right. Um, but I also don't have a lot of background in like the technical aspects. Um, like, I, I'm a little embarrassed because I keep meaning to sit down and learn this, but I don't know how to diagram a sentence. That's something that never came up in my education. Right. I'm not um, sure there I do either. There are a lot either. of like, very finicky special grammar words that I don't know mm-hmm. because it just hasn't come up. Um, and I, I do think that's a gap in my education. That's something that I do keep intending to do mm-hmm. and then I keep getting work and I right. have to work before I can yeah. study. You have to, you have to, to actually do, do the work. paying job before you can do the fun <laughs> stuff that you want to do on the side. But that 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 is why I think that the the reading and just having the ear for mm-hmm. it is more important. I I think I, th- I think I would read, agree. Yes, uh, at least that sounds reasonable. You saying it, I can I can see how that would work. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of times when I know that something sounds better one way, uh-huh. but I can't explain why. Yeah, and that that I think would help me help other people mm-hmm. if I can leave a comment and say, "Here's exactly the grammatical principle that I'm following." Versus, I think this sounds nicer. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm hoping your clients assume that you know what you're talking about and will take you on your word that this is a, right, exactly. a better flow to the sentence than all these adverbs in it. And this is also a reason why I always track all my changes. Um, words track changes is not perfect. I've been fighting with it a little bit lately. Oh, yeah. Um, but... I, I will always let people know, you know, if this is a style question, if this is something I just think sounds better, mm-hmm. you are always welcome to put it back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you what I did, but I'm not going to delete what you did so that you still have a record of, of how you mm-hmm. had it. And you can always put it back the way you prefer it. Mm, that That's nice of you. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you said that you've structured your time to make it work better for you like getting up at 10 and taking breaks to do stuff but how what is your workday structured like so um it's so funny because i i i'm definitely not a morning person Mm -hmm. but i actually find that i have this surge of energy when i wake up Mm -hmm. if i've had enough sleep okay so maybe i'm a morning person at 10 o'clock in the morning (laughs) right after you've gotten like x number Um, of hours yeah, so I'll wake up, I'll, I'll get myself ready to go, and often I will start working at my computer before I got up off the couch <laughs> because okay. I have it open mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm ready to go, and the effort of starting that mental work is sometimes less than the effort of getting up and moving everything to the desk and I setting up the that. desk. Yeah. Uh, me saying that I can't sleep in on the weekends. I actually go to bed on Friday nights with my uh, my MacBook next to me on the nightstand. So when I wake <laughs> up, all I have to do is reach for it and then keep working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in bed. Uh, so I'll typically work um, two to three hours and then I'll take a break mm-hmm. of some kind. Um, I play a lot of Animal Crossing that <laughs> way. <laughs> it's a very good, you know, 20 minutes to run around my town and clean up all the weeds right. that they had to my neighbors. And then, then, then I'm back at work. <laughs> it's a very nice brain break. Um, so I'll work, generally I'll work between about, you know, 10.30 or 11 mm-hmm. 
two or three and then three or, or four to five or six. And if I need to, if there's stuff that I still have to do, um, I can always add, you know, seven to eight. Okay. Seven to nine. Do you find so that... So it, it, all, it all does depend on what the deadlines are and what's true, coming up. True, very true. <laughs> do you find that your brain shuts down closer as you get to that midnight mark? That you either... I don't know. I guess maybe at that point you just don't want to work because you have been working all day. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, there's definitely a point where I'm just fried mm-hmm. and more work is not going to be good mm-hmm. work. Um, but, you know, then there are days when I'm just in the groove and I just keep going because, you know, it, one, I always think there's a, an anecdote that I heard once about taxi drivers okay. in New York where... In theory, you would, you know, if you have so much to, you have X amount of dollars that you're supposed to make per day. Mm -hmm. um, So you would think like on a bad day when you're not getting a lot, you have to stay later and work longer and make those Mm -hmm. dollars. And then on a good day, you can take off early. But actually what you want to do is keep going on the good day so that you have the dollars. So on the bad day, you can leave on time. That that I I'm I think that's gonna stick with me. That sounds very good. Like that just that resonates in my brain, and I understand that. Like I understand what you're saying, and but not saying. Like you know, like that resonates yeah, in exactly. my head. I understand it. <laughs> I actually I take the same approach in my writing. Like some days it is, it is so hard to barely get a thousand words out, and then another day mm-hmm. I get like fifty four hundred. I'm like, well. That just keeps me up to my schedule. It makes up for the days that I did crap. Yeah, exactly. So on the days when it's going well, I try and just keep at mm-hmm. it as much as I can. So that on the days when it's just not going to happen, I can call it quits a little early. Right. Because some days it just isn't there. I I, yeah. I, I understand that. Now, are you of the uh, school uh, that you work in your pajamas or do you have do you get dressed for work? I... <laughs> I usually, like I said, I usually get started working before I've mm-hmm. all the way gotten up and settled in. But at some point, I will get get mm-hmm. dressed, <laughs> if only so that I can answer the door and get packages. That, yes, that's true. <laughs> I was actually, I was when I was asking that question, I'm thinking of the two examples of myself and my husband. We both work from home, but I'm more of the type that I'll just basically be wearing basically kind of pajamas, loungewear, and he's like, nope, I actually have to get dressed for work. If I'm not dressed for work, my mind is not in the right mindset for work. And I've always done, um, when, when I've been able to, I've always worked in like jeans and t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a big business casual kind of person right. anyway. So, you know, getting, like I said, getting dressed is almost more mm-hmm. so that I can walk outside if I have to. Right. Rather than like work mode uh-huh. with like a suit and tie. Yeah. I mean, I understand both aspects. I mean, clearly, I mean, I, I'm based, I'm in sweatpants right now, but I mean, I understand <laughs> his point of view that sometimes it's, it's just the act of getting dressed, like gets his brain mm-hmm. focused on work. And so he stops, I don't know, checking, I don't know, like Twitter or something. I don't know, but you know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in, yeah, for me, I think that's when I get up and like go to the desk and sit in the harder chair and not <laughs> okay. on yeah, the couch. Fair enough. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what are some of the common corrections you find yourself making over and over again with authors? Um, let's see. One, one thing that honestly really surprised mm-hmm. me that I find way more often than I thought I would. Um, every time I do a document, anything, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. 
I go through and do a pass where I do nothing except look at the end of each paragraph and make sure that there's punctuation. Okay. Because more, far more often than I ever would have thought, mm-hmm. somebody's just, you just going at the pair and you hit the enter button and you just forget that mm-hmm. there should be a period there. I find sometimes that happens, not not with, I, well, I hope not with periods. I don't think I've ever found those for myself, but sometimes it's the end quote in the dialogue. Yep. I was about to say I do it. And now I do another password, just, just that. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, I go into Microsoft Word and I go into find and I hit you search, you the search quotation, for the quotation mark. mark. I search for the quotation mark and I scroll through because there's 8,000 quotation marks. And so I scroll through every page and look at the highlights and make sure that every quotation mark has a partner. (laughs) I can, yep. I can understand that because sometimes like I just won't even notice. And then on the second pass, I'll be like, wait a second. That's not a whole piece of dialogue. (laughs) But that's why you do a second pass. Exactly. You (laughs) You have to read over your own work. Yeah, I I was Uh wondering if like if there's something that people who write just have a universal thing and apparently it's they don't close their tags (laughs) um one thing that i also see that's interesting to me um yeah we'll we'll always talk about having your story show and not tell Mm -hmm. and you you show that the character is angry because he's bawling his fists and you don't write he is angry Mm -hmm. what i see a lot is people doing both okay so the character will ball his fist and then the narration will also say he was angry about this. And all I have to do is get rid of that sentence mm-hmm. because it's doing nothing. Right. Because you've already shown it. And you it. already knew how to show mm-hmm. it. You already knew how to do it. You just didn't trust yourself. I find myself not doing quite that, but something similar. I would do like, they felt this. Mm-hmm. I find myself <laughs> doing that a lot and I try hard as hell to like edit that out. But sometimes it just, it always ends up in there in the first draft. And sometimes it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there are so few hard and fast rules that I follow. Basically, they're use punctuation mm-hmm. correctly. Use punctuation correctly, yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's so many things that, you know, I'm, I'm working on a book right now um, where I won't name anything. Okay. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of passive voice construction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm finding I'm doing a lot of rewriting into active voice. But there were also points where I was putting in passive voice. Sometimes you, you want that. the focus yeah. to be on the sub- mm-hmm. on the object and not the subject. So it, everything is a tool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes you just need that blunt, this made her happy. Right. And sometimes like I'm but thinking. a lot of the time you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm thinking like um, with, the, with the adverb thing. I mean, people always, I feel like they always overuse the adverbs. But I feel like every now and then a good <laughs> adverb really punctuates the feeling. And you have to leave those ones I've in. I never heard that you shouldn't use adverbs. Well, not that you shouldn't use adverbs. I just, I, at least in my experience, in, in the writers that I've read for, like that I'm their beta reader for or something like that, is that they overuse them. Mm, okay. They're everywhere. The one, that I, one that I see a lot is, um, I hope I'm using this word right. Again, I don't have the formal education mm-hmm. with the grammar. Um, but uh, gerund is the name of the verb form where it ends in ing but it's technically a noun i believe okay something like that i don't know um, i don't know that term but i'll either. see strings strings and strings of you know trying to put an example sentence together where i know i'm, I'm mentally trying to run pirate. through something to make that a, a noun crash through the window bringing the chandelier down sending it down into the into the group of people causing and it's just 
ing, 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 mm-hmm. ing. And just strings of those phrases, and they're all the same. I, can, that, I don't think that's actually... <laughs> That's not the noun form. I, I, okay. yeah, I'm, I don't have I don't have the education. <laughs> I could see that, especially like if you're writing like an action sequence. I think it, as a writer, it might feel more natural to do that, and then it mm-hmm. takes someone like you or like the next, like the the lower, the like a beta reader or something to point out that, hey, this doesn't sound good when you read it. Yeah, you have to break it mm-hmm. up. This could probably be four sentences yes. instead of one. I, I I like to say I have never met an and I don't like. <laughs> I it constantly in my editing process, I am breaking up ands and putting them into two different sentences or three or four different sentences. <laughs> also, I never met uh, an and that I remembered to put the comma near. <laughs> never. Just never. See, I, I was told once that it's flat out wrong to put a comma before an and phrase or a but phrase. I'm like, that's not true. No, I, I, I kind of but... thought the opposite. That you, you, you had to do that, but I never remember to do that, but okay. I believe it's a style. I believe it's a style Maybe thing. It is a style and thing. I, I think this is this is a thing that a lot of people have very strong feelings mm-hmm. about. Um and just style guides in general, you know, Chicago manual style or you know, um <sighs> Chicago's the only <laughs> big one that I can That's think okay. of. We'll move on. But, um, but, you know, if Chicago says you should do this mm-hmm. with your commas, that doesn't mean that not doing it is incorrect. Mm-hmm. It means that by the Chicago style guide, right. this is how they do it. But if you're using a style guide, you should at least be consistent through your whole work. Yes. If Don't you, willy-nilly yeah, if you use a style comma guide, and then not use one. Style yeah. guide. But if you make the conscious decision as a writer that your style is going to be different, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You're perfectly allowed. <laughs> um, but consistency is a huge thing. And that that's also something I'll tell people a lot is there there is almost nothing that will read as being incorrect if it's done the same way every time. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Like, um, I never remember the way I, the word gray is spelled. Is it with an E or was it an A? I know it can go both ways, but I, it doesn't matter. I, it, it, both in, are correct. In my work, I use one. both and then I have to go back through and make it all the same. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. I, it might be a, a UK-US I think it might be, it but might I don't know nothing. how I got hooked on the E. And I think the US actually <laughs> might be the A. I don't know. But exactly. And um, so one thing I do a lot of is um, products for role-playing mm-hmm. games. So they are kind of half fiction and half technical manual. Mm-hmm. And they have all of their own terms. There, there are game terms and there are names of, of creatures and, and animals and monsters. Um, and, you know, there, there's no style guide that's going to tell <laughs> no, me should this be capitalized. <laughs> but, oh boy, does it bother me when I'm reading through a game product and it's not consistent capitalization. Oh, that would be annoying, especially like it, it's a, like a game manual and it's supposed to be teaching you how this is, how like the rules of this universe. And so, and di- different companies will do different things mm-hmm. and any way is fine, but you have to pick one. <laughs> yeah. I had, um, there's a, a game that I work for. It's Mutants and Masterminds. Mm-hmm. And I forget which book this was in, so I feel okay telling mm-hmm. the story because I don't know who I'm throwing under the bus. <laughs> but... Uh, one of the uh, phrases, one of the mechanics that they have is called a hero point. Okay. And it's you you give your player a special you know, bonus because they did something heroic. Okay. It's really all mm-hmm. that is. But I'm reading, and on the same page, I see hero point, both capitalized, mm-hmm. hero point, neither capitalized, 
and hero uncapitalized point capitalized. Oh, on the same page. <laughs> All on the same page. In the same paragraph? <laughs> Not quite, but very close. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that's something I, I really pride myself on is noticing mm-hmm. those inconsistencies, especially if, you know, it, you might have multiple writers working on a book like this, especially. Right. You know, you might have some people who are focused on the mechanical elements yeah. and some people who are focused on the fiction mm-hmm. elements, and they just might not think to come together right. and and make a style Right, because they're a committee. One guy's doing the, the technical part, one guy's doing the character development, and yeah, they just, somebody throws so it that's together. A, that's a prime place for, for things to be not necessarily wrong, but inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And then it reads like it's wrong. Right, because then the reader's Whereas like, what the hell's one, going on? Exactly. Or, you know, if you have a weird alien race and they have a capital letter in the middle of their name instead of the beginning, mm-hmm. like, whatever, that's going to look weird a couple times. But once you do it every single time, then the, yep, then the reader correct. understands that that's the way it's supposed to be and they stop tripping over it anymore. Right. So um, speaking strictly in manuscript term, because that's the only one I'm going to understand, um, about roughly how long does it take you to edit? Do a, do a pass over those? It is so hard. I know. I realize as I'm saying it, like, this is a subjective question. (laughs) And honestly, this is is one of the hardest parts of my job is figuring out how to price myself because I never know how long it's Mm -hmm. going to take. Um, A lot depends on the quality of the writing. Okay. Um, If I have a book that's written particularly well and I'm going through for typos and there aren't very many and the style is consistent and, you know, the action is clear and I'm maybe making, you know, maybe I'm rewriting a sentence and catching a couple of, of missed commas on a page. Mm-hmm. That's going to take me way less time than if I'm sitting there rewriting at least a sentence in every paragraph mm-hmm. and the entire page is covered in red. Um, so it's almost impossible to know how long it's going to take yeah. <laughs> before I get the manuscript and start reading it. Um but generally, I try and give myself, um, I, tr- I, if I'm giving somebody a, a potential deadline, I try and give myself about two weeks, no matter what it is, unless okay. there's some kind of time pressure. Mm-hmm. I feel um, like that, that's very that also gives generous. Like I would, if I've, I've never hired someone, an, an editor before, like I've never actually, I haven't gotten to that point where I've done that. And I'm here sitting thinking like, I give it to somebody and three months later, I will get it back. So two weeks sounds like a dream right now. And it depends on what it is. It depends on what it is, too. If I have a a project that's 50,000 words, that's probably doable in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, If I have a project that's, you know, 170,000, yeah, that's going to be more like a month. (laughs) So you you charge yourself. I'm I'm way getting ahead of myself. Like, I have this as a later question. That's right. But so I just find this curious because everyone that I've even just doing some research on editors, it seemed like they always charge by the word. Yes. And that's exactly for this reason, because you just can't Mm -hmm. estimate the time. Um, And ultimately, it kind of does even out because some people are going to take longer, but some people are going to take shorter. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I have to read this many words, so you have to pay me to read this many words. (laughs) Yeah. The only way to do it fairly is by the Mm -hmm. word. Um, also because I, I used to try and do by the page, uh-huh. but the problem with that is then you have to specify, is it single or double right. spaced? Right, font, font size. size. And actually the font itself so, sometimes. And it just becomes way harder and, and not worth mm-hmm. it. It's not, it's not harder for any reason that it helps. Right. Um, but the other thing, um, is that one of the pieces of advice I got when I started doing this, um, is that if you pay, 
if you charge like by the hour mm-hmm. and you get faster as you learn and get you better at it, less money. then you're paying yourself less. Mm-hmm. If you charge by the word and you get faster and you get more work and you can fit more work into a work week, you get paid more mm-hmm. as you get better. Yeah. You're saying this all out loud and I agree. I think paying by the word or charging by the word is the, is the best option for you. Not yeah. that you needed my opinion, <laughs> but I'm as you're saying this, I'm realizing, yep, yep, that sounds about right. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Except I can't edit my own stuff. I have to throw it in an extra program just to help me find the missing clues. I don't. I don't edit my own stuff. Nobody can edit mm-hmm. their own stuff. It's so because hard. Because like I said, you know, you know what you meant mm-hmm. to say, so your brain will fill in what you want. I don't know what you meant to say, so if you have something wrong, I'll know it. Exactly, and you'll realize where, um, like, I, I, I sent out my work, uh, I don't know, two years ago now, like, in the pandemic, so, uh, to, to one of my beta breeders, and it's like, I don't care about the grammar, but just tell me where it gets dull and stupid. Like, that's where I need help. Because <laughs> I know where this story's supposed oh. to be going. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to tell me where it doesn't and work. You know, and sometimes sometimes there is that back and forth. You know, I, I'll ask a lot of questions, mm-hmm. um, especially if I'm, if I'm doing developmental. Um, because, you know, if I, if I have a scene that I think is dull and plodding and I'm, I can't figure out why it's there, mm-hmm. I can ask you, what did you intend to do in this scene? And then you can think about mm-hmm. it and you might say, you know, I wanted to show this character, you know, changing in this particular mm-hmm. way. Or you might think about it and say, oh, I don't know. It seemed good. Yeah. Or sometimes like, I don't know, but it got me to my word count for the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it got me to that 3000 word mark. <laughs> so, you know, what, what were you trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And if you have an answer, I can try and rewrite and I can tweak and I can make suggestions. If you don't have an answer, there's your answer. It's got to go. Okay. How many times do you go back and forth like this with some people? Is um, it always a not... back and forth or is it just like a once and done? So I, I generally do maybe like one round of answering questions about my questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that to be the easiest way, especially because of the word count. Mm-hmm. Um if somebody does like another draft, I want to charge that as a new yes, project. Obviously, yes. Um, so for me, it's easiest to just do the one pass mm-hmm. uh, per instance, right. you know, per per job, um, and then have people come back and, and renegotiate if we want to do mm-hmm. more. Um, but I always, it, I'll send a list of questions and comments, and I've, you know, I'll have like a call. I'll, I've talked to other people to phone. I've talked to people on the phone. Um, for like an hour and go over what I meant Mm -hmm. um, or they can go by email and I've had people like send back the document and they've like written in answers Um, and I'll I'll do that once or you know as long as there's interest (laughs) as long as there's something to say Mm -hmm. and that at at some point there's just not any more useful discussion to be had Mm -hmm. So eventually the answer is going to be, you have to write the next draft before I can say anymore. Okay. So are you currently accepting new clients? I am. Um, but right at this moment, by the time this airs, I'm, I'm going to be out of all the stuff that mm-hmm. I've had. So, right. So I'll say yeah. <laughs> um, right now it's early November mm-hmm. and I have work booked through December. Nice. Which makes me feel amazing yeah. because people are willing to wait uh-huh. <laughs> for one thing. Um and it just it feels just good to have the work mm-hmm. ready, ready to yep. go. I don't have to sit and I'm not going to have the days where I'm trying to 
drum up business mm-hmm. and that's the only thing I could do all day because there's no right work. you've got Ren taken care <laughs> so, of you're you're good yes it's much nicer <laughs> this way <laughs> um but I I am I'm pretty much always accepting new clients as long as if there's you know if there's a backlog mm-hmm. if I have something that is coming first you can go to the end of the line okay so. <laughs> I, I would like to think that most people uh, in like in like my position who are hiring someone like you would at least be understanding about that like you're not going oh, to sure. under- I've never had anyone. Like, you're not going to assume that somebody's just going to immediately pick it up and work on it. I mean yes you want immediate feedback on it but you have to expect <laughs> right. there's other people in front of you in line of course and of course I've had and I've had to turn down jobs that have tighter deadlines than I can mm-hmm. be and that's just how the job yeah, works just, that, that, that's how it the is the cookie crumbles I have yeah I, if I have a contract with someone to return their book by x date then that has to come first because I'm not right. going to just not, I'm not just going to not do the work I've been contracting. Right. Like you've already like signed, signed that contract and you've promised that you're going to deliver. And that would be really bad for business if you didn't do that. Yes. It would be really terrible for business <laughs> if, I, if I didn't. Now do you only edit certain genres or are you do, do, willing to do any, nope. anything? I'll do pretty much anything. Um, when I started off, I was doing a lot of work. Uh, I actually worked with Southern New Hampshire University, uh-huh. um, and they put me as a freelancer on their uh, computer science education program and their their online courses. Mm-hmm. So I was editing like tests and like I was editing okay. um, course materials and project guidelines, and it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I I learned a lot. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a I've crack about you selling the work. tests on the side to make some extra money. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, never done. <laughs> um, but I've done the role-playing games, uh, which is a very small community, ultimately. Uh, a lot of people kind of know each other yeah. and, and or know of each mm-hmm. other. Um, and there are a lot of independent publishers. There are a lot of people who have the game that they want to make and they want to get published and they're out on Kickstarter or they're self-publishing and it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've worked with a lot of people like that. I've done uh, fantasy novels. I've done crime novels, and I—it's really one of the fun parts of the job. Nice. Uh, do you have a personal preference? I like fantasy. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I like soft sci-fi. Okay. I'm, I'm not super into, you know, Asimov hard science fiction based extremely on actual principles. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I'm more of your your Doctor Who, Star Wars, space <laughs> fantasy. Yeah, gotta love Doctor Who and Star Wars. And, you know, pretty much. Okay. I feel like we're like, like how secret does, best how does friends time travel work? It, it just does. What's that? <laughs> you know, how does time travel work? I don't know. It's just a wibbly ball of time. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> wibbly wobbly. And uh, so, break down your services once again for the listeners. Yep. So I do basic proofreading. Um, my my rates uh, start right now. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I, I start generally at uh, one cent per word for just proofreading, mm-hmm. uh, where I'm only going to look at typos and actual mistakes and missing punctuation and things mm-hmm. like that. And I leave your your style and your choices completely mm-hmm. alone. Um, for two cents a word, I do uh, the line or copy editing, where I help with the actual language and I'll do some rewriting and I'll make some style suggestions and I'll make it sound nice. Mm-hmm. And for a three cents a word, I do all of that plus suggestions on how you can make the next draft even better or how you can add scenes or delete scenes or mm-hmm. change this character or, uh, you know, here's how your setting isn't quite making sense or this is something cool that you could add to your setting. 
Uh, and literally anything that comes to mind goes into that document nice. when I'm doing a developmental edit. Now, uh, developmental, you bundle in the other two, but in the middle one, in your light entity, do you also bundle in proofreading? Yes. Okay. So it's a, yes. this is like a scaling Absolutely. program. Yeah, pre- yeah, exactly. It's all just kind of added mm-hmm. on to, to the previous level. Nice. Uh, and then something else that I mm-hmm. do occasionally, um, I haven't had a whole ton of people take me up on this, uh, but I'll do what I call story consulting. Okay, what's that? Um, so if you have a story that isn't written yet, but you want that sort of developmental process of does this plot make sense? Does it sound like mm. this character would be consistent? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the basics of like, my world Here's building. my outline. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so I'll do, I do uh, $25 an hour uh, for a, a text or a video chat or phone mm-hmm. call, whatever, whatever people want to do. Um, and that's, I have people send me everything they have ahead of time. And then I charge for just the time that we spend going over mm-hmm. it. Um, so that's another another option because there are people who want that help before they spend all of their time writing a draft that's just going to have to get drafted. I could see that, how that would be really helpful because you basically poured, I don't know, like a month or two of work into a first draft. And mm-hmm. if, if there was something like fundamentally wrong, I could see wanting to know that or have it worked out with somebody else in before you put yeah. in all that effort. Or if you don't know where to start because you just haven't had that that time to, to polish mm-hmm. it, to get the idea set. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, that's something I have trouble with where I'll have a story in mind, but I don't know what the plot is. Yep. <laughs> I just know bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can go through with people and, and help that develop into something they can actually write. Ooh, that sounds all super interesting. I might have to hit you up on the next one I'm already outlining. <laughs> I'm super interested in that. Like I, a third, pre- like all an right. outside party, like, like just breakdown of like, I'll send you like this weird outline of how things are going. But like, oh, everyone's outlines <laughs> are weird. It's fine. How do you, how do you send an outline? Then I feel like you'd, I'd have to send you an outline and then like just have a phone call with you explaining how to understand this outline. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's what this means. um and where can listeners connect with you online where can they book your services or find you on social media yep so i have my website is samanthachapmanediting.com okay so it's nice nice and forward yep um i have i have a list of my services i also have uh some links for projects that i've worked on you can get a sense of of what i what i have Mm -hmm. done in the past um there is a link to email there, and I am also on Facebook as Samantha Chapman Editing. Okay. Um, and you'll know it's me because it's all pictures of things that are misspelled or, <laughs> or things that are labeled wrong in the supermarket. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but I'll also like post instruction manuals. I, <laughs> I had, oh dear. There are a couple of really wonderful examples I've had lately from very published works. Mm-hmm. One, I got special permission. I'm just, this is the last thing I'm going to uh-huh. go into. Um, I had permission from the author for this one for the Mutants and Masterminds book that I was doing. Um, one of the things about the system is that you can customize you know, your, your character's equipment and, and everything really okay. that they want to do as a superhero. Um, so the, the environmental suit was supposed to give immunity to cold. Uh-huh. And it, they forgot the L. <laughs> so it, it was written, it gave immunity fish. to cod. It gave immunity to fish and only a specific type which, of fish. Which it's mutants and masterminds. It's not completely right. out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. So anything like that, 
Anything like that that I can find, I'll, I'll put on Facebook. Oh my god, I'm like tearing up. That made me laugh so much. <laughs> I just well that's one of my favorites uh, my kids just watched that Halloween uh, Muppet special and I'm just imagining the Muppet that's always throwing the fish like I just yes. like the guy throwing the fish at the middle oh doesn't hurt me <laughs> no points lost <laughs> oh well the Muppet special was super cute I have to watch that <laughs> I meant to I do watch the Nightmare Before Christmas and stuff. That's not something we watched this year. We opted for safe, well, four and five year olds, so we opted for super safe Muppet. Uh, ah, yeah. fair yeah. enough. All right, well, it was lovely talking to you. You were a great guest. Thank you, it was wonderful to be here. <laughs> All right, well, you have a great night, and I'm gonna hit you up about the plot editing. All right, sounds All good. All right. Thanks very much. Join me next time when I'm going to talk to Michelle Faust about her publishing company, Lemonade Legend. Until then, keep reading, keep writing, and go do what you do best. You got this. Read and Write Podcast is edited and produced by Deborah Zebar. Music was written and performed by Living Room and Jam Addict. It was provided by Lo-Fi Girl. Audio effects were created by Red Octopus and Black River Phonogram. Show notes and previous episodes can be found at readandwritepodcast.com. Special thanks to my guest, Samantha Chapman, and all the subscribers who make this podcast possible. And that's it. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate, read, and write on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you have a suggestion for a future episode, drop me a line. I'm always open to suggestions. Also, did you know that Read and Write publishes three episodes a week? Check out the podcast's YouTube channel for Write With Me Monday's live streams and 30-second book reviews on Fridays.